Hello, welcome to I Don't Get It. Yes, the I Don't Get It, the one and only, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. Featuring the open-minded musics of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment relevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. I am joined this one week only, in addition to all the other weeks, by my co-host. <laughs> I am Noah Tarno, founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events virtually and hopefully in person again someday soon. No, I, I found out this week, and I fact-checked this, we are the only podcast that's still in production right now. This is it. <laughs> I will say, uh, I my podcast listening has shrank dramatically. Shrank, shrunk, shrinking. Yeah. Uh, I, I listen to far fewer podcasts uh, since being in quarantine because I listened a lot at the gym. Yeah, yeah, me too. a lot uh, walking to work. I, I had a 20-minute walk to work every day. And also because I'm sheltering in place with my sister and her kids, there are just people around more. And I would listen to podcasts, you know, just doing busy work around my room. And I don't have a room anymore. <laughs> I sleep <laughs> and work and record the show and feed my cat in their living room. So how about that? Once again, Noah, like you've said, the, the, the real hidden victims are us. <laughs> yes, no one's been victimized more than us. Yeah. Uh, to quote uh, Christian Finnegan, a stand-up I really like, uh, I was recently listening to his newish album again. It's terrific. And he says, yeah, I'm a white man. Being a white man is very hard. Not as hard as literally everything else, but still hard. Ah, <laughs> uh, speaking of being a white man. Uh... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> sort of. Uh, our topic this week, uh, I pushed this one. This is something I've been into for a while, but it seems like there was an in. Yeah, finding, sometimes this stuff is dumped in our lap. You know, sometimes we have to reach around and find a thing like sourdough, you know, which is kind of a weird thing. And other times there's a pop culture sensation like the Tiger King, which just announces itself and demands that you you drink and eat of it. This is somewhere in the middle. This is Eric Andre we're talking about, a guy who's certainly not fresh, not new. Eric Andre has been a thing, I'd say, for at least a decade now in one form or another. Mm, I think his show debuted in 2013. Yeah, he was so, doing— good, he, good research you did there for your introduction, Bill. No, but he, he, was, he was doing comedy before that at least yeah but he was was not the impression i got is that he was like essentially a nobody and then he just got he sold around his pilot and he just you know struck gold with one lucky guy at adult swim his friends with hannibal burris and hannibal burris was starting to do comedy i want to say 2008 2009 uh hannibal burris is the sidekick of eric andre that's the connection that's why he he you know came up in 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 this respect but eric andre was a stand-up and he did a lot of weird things that were non-formatic he had a strange sense of humor and he was trying to come up with this rapper for himself something that he thought would be the best way to illustrate his talent and uh, based on an interview that i i listened to he was he said i wanted to do a talk show where the host put the worst amount of attention which is to say no preparation whatsoever and no attention into actually doing the interview and so the conceit of this eric andre show which has been on adult swim you said since since 2013 it's only like four or five seasons right i i wait no no a quick search says 2012 2012 okay but Eric Andre is this, um, I guess you'd call him an alt comic. He kind of hovers the line. The fuck does that mean? It's, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm just <laughs> trying to find a way. He toes that line between cringe comedy 
and weird awkward shit but also the kind of like punishing physical stunts of like the jackass type guys that's i think telling you like the 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 what but let's tell you a little bit about the who so this guy was born in 83 uh, in boca raton florida yeah he's biracial his mother is uh, jewish and his father was i think a haitian so he he identifies as both black and and jewish which i guess isn't the uh most common thing around but i've known i've known a few people yeah yeah particular description yeah he bummed around uh did the alt comic thing for a while again that doesn't mean anything to noah so we want to mention that but he he did he self paid for a prototype him and hannibal barres taped this thing they just cut it in final cut they shot it on low-res cameras and they just were just trying to get something on tape to send to people as a proof of concept and i'm sure it looked like shit i'm sure it was really unformed but like all weird things somehow it found its way to turner the people down in atlanta at cartoon network at adult swim had the sixth sense for stuff i'm sure they, they they must get pelted with all these weird ideas things that don't fit in anywhere and probably shouldn't fit and it's always like how does adult swim know the difference between good fucked up and like unworkable bad fucked up because sometimes there's no i think the average viewer would not know oh this is something that's actually worthwhile funny intelligent and jagged as opposed to this is just something shittily done so that's the thing eric andre had the sixth sense managed to put this thing together and then got shepherded by the right uh, people at adult swim which i think adult swim has a discretionary budget but they're not huge it's you know, they, they again, they pick these small projects, the, the Tims and the Eric's and that kind of thing, you know, and, and they let them be a little weird. They give them as much rope as they need to be a little weird, but they don't take anyone down with them. And they, they do very culty things. And whereas I haven't necessarily been into uh, Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, I did get into just because I liked how anarchic his um his, his talk show was. When I, when I first saw it, it's like, oh my God, what is this? You know, it's like I said, that fusion of cringe and punishing slapstick. There's a lot of guys that do it, but he seems to do it really well. I think he's, he's, he's very talented at it. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's got a movie out that came right at the dawn of the of the epidemic. It was this movie called Bad Trip, which looks a lot like one of those jackass movies. I think it was actually Bad Grandpa, the one that Knoxville made, where it was a road trip that they'd have a story which was more or less just a rapper to do stunts in front of people to you know tape these people being scandalized by weird shit happening in front of them uh but that's i, I think that what he did with this movie is a little be, even further beyond that and it co-starred lil rel howry from get out and tiffany haddish is all over the place so uh with that in mind um i think this was an education for noah i want to hear what you had to say <laughs> What do you think about Eric Andre? Uh, so I was only dimly aware of him before. My nephews, who are 16, really like him. They're into like the modern kind of absurdist humor. They also like Tim and Eric. And I was somewhat familiar with Tim and Eric, and I really don't like Tim and Eric. And I'll get into why in a minute. Pretty much all I knew about Eric Andre was that he was, you know, the randomness and the Dada surrealist, whatever. And I remember we were all, you'll appreciate this, our whole family was playing um, Celebrity last summer. In a bowl, you put the names of celebrities or historical figures or fictional characters. The idea is people have to guess them. And to play fair, you put in, you know, names that most of the people in the room have heard of, right? Uh, so we're playing, and my nephews, they're a lot of fun to play Celebrity with, but they don't quite adhere to the rules. Like one time, Jack just made up a name and put it in there. But they put in Craft Punk, and we're all, and the, you know... <laughs> And they're playing. It's the two of them. It's me. It's their mom. You know, so next to them, I'm the youngest person. It's me. It's their mom. It's my parents. It's my aunt. 
who's like in her 70s. And we're all like, who the hell is Kraft Punk? And before the two of them can even explain it, they just start going through Kraft Punk routines and saying his lines and stuff. Kraft Punk is one of the many surrealist characters. Uh, I guess it's the breakout character of Eric Andre. It's a parody. It's a play on Daft Punk. You know, in preparation for this, I watched some clips. I watched a lot of stuff online. He does this surrealist Dada. I like weirdness. I like surrealism. I like Dada. I had a problem with Eric Andre's thing that I also had with Tim and Eric, which is, this was a problem with SNL for many years, although I think it's better now, is, talked about this in the show a lot, the, I need a better term for this, the comedy of, that's funny, go with it. You know, I think good comedy is, that's funny, what's next, right? You have a funny idea, and then you perfect it, you advance it, you develop it. What guys like Tim and Eric and Eric Andre do is just, that's a funny idea, roll with it. They don't stop to think, how can I polish this funny idea? I don't like that. Not only do I find it has diminishing returns in, ter diminishing returns in terms of humor, but also I'm very Calvinist. I'm very much believe in hard work. I put a lot of value on art that takes a lot of effort. And it bothers me when art that takes very little effort is rewarded. So that bothered me on that level. Also, I dare say I liked Eric Andre's show less than Tim and Eric because Eric Andre seemed to rely too much on the easy shock humor. Watching a half hour of Eric Andre clips, I saw him, you know, strip naked four or five times or falling down a flight of steps or whatever the fuck. So it seemed like he was relying on some really easy tactics to shock. One thing I did love about it, and, and again, I'm just talking about the Eric Andre show, is that it seems a little more diverse than most humor. You know, there seems to be a real multicultural thing going on. I like seeing different kinds of people on TV, so... That matters to me. Bad Trip. I thought Bad Trip was not a great movie, but I thought it was extremely funny. <laughs> okay. I laughed out loud many times. It hugely improves my opinion of Eric Andre because Bad Trip was not. All right, that's funny. Go with it. Bad Trip proves he can develop an idea. He can perfect something. The plot was a little thin. It was okay. And the stunts were, were very well done. I mean, I kept comparing it to Borat. Right. Yeah, Borat yeah. was the thing I most right. The 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 weird hybrid of there is a story and there are actors were shocking people. And, and most of the characters, quote unquote, are passers by who are or bystanders who don't know that it's fake. Yeah, a lot of it's but, it's built on the moment for sure. Right. But there was a lot more planning here. Like there's a scene where he goes in a gorilla cage. I don't want to give too much away. And clearly, <laughs> yes, the, the zookeeper was an actor. They worked this all out with the police. I mean, Tiffany Haddish, who, by the way, is great, makes for a great villain. Yeah. Steals yeah. a cop car with the door torn off. And the cop chases her. I mean, clearly that cop was an actor. <laughs> clearly they worked it out with the police department, right? I mean, especially black people. Like, they don't want to they don't want to take a chance there. I like this. During the closing credits, they show some behind-the-scenes footage. And this is this is key to the comparison of Borat. Not only did it show them prepping and and the guy in the gorilla suit and 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 you know, gaming that out, but also it showed them revealing that it was a stunt to the passers-by who were shocked. Yeah. yeah. And it showed the delight those people have when they discovered and they're, they're hugging Eric Andre and then they're hugging Tiffany Haddish, even though Eric Andre and Tiffany Haddish play enemies in this thing. And that was a key difference with Borat because as much as I think Borat is a hilarious movie and Sasha Baron Cohen has fucking balls you would not believe and is insanely talented. One problem I have with Borat is that he's a bully and that he picks on people weaker than him. Eric Andre does not do that. Yeah, Eric Andre shocks people, but even if he never revealed the truth to these people, you know, nobody gets hurt, 
No one gets insulted, and they would have an awesome story for the rest of their life. And then, of course, they have an even better story because now they're happy, and they were part of a great stunt, and everyone's smiling, and everyone's cheering. Sometimes stupid humor works. He makes it work, and man, they got great reactions from people. I mean, I spent the... Uh, I thought a lot more of those people were actors until I looked at the credits. Yeah, me too. Hardly, me too. Yeah. I mean, more than in Borat. Borat, I believe it was just Sasha Baron Cohen, Azamat, and Pamela Anderson and The Hooker. I think those are literally the only actors. This, there were maybe a dozen actors, 15. It was a lot more planning in this. But again, I put more value on that. I'm an easy mark for this guy. I love the show. I knew I was going to like this. I went and saw the Jackass movies because I thought they were hilarious. I saw Bad Grandpa. There's something yeah. about watching people punish themselves and flail and fail and, you know, just get hurt. And, and some, like you said, I, I didn't think about that Sasha Bar and Cohen thing where the power imbalance is keeps some people out of watching the Borat movies and yeah. the Br Bruno. Well, that's actually that's why I hate Tom Green, because I think Tom Green is Borat without the talent. Yeah. He's just a bully. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Borat is funny. I feel bad about loving Borat. Tom Green, I hate. And, I, yeah, and you know, I, I, I he's have, just a bully. He's yeah, I, a bully. I have Tom Green in my notes here because he was, um, I think, kind of like a version 1.0. Well, I mean, obviously, people yeah. have been doing this for a long time. But in this very weird, jagged, like you said, rough, rushed, unprofessional, unpolished-looking thing that's Dada is Tom, Tom Green was the first guy who did it when we were in our late teens, early 20s. Um, you know, no, it was later than that. It was our late twenties. Late twenties? I can't remember anymore. Yeah. I, I didn't pay attention because it's like, yeah, I found him uninteresting. I didn't think he was funny. It looked like he was a bully, and he, he was something thuddingly unappealing about what he did. His movie, I thought, was okay, but his his everything he did on the TV show was was really un, unattractive. Bad Trip to me is going to be the funniest movie. It's in my top ten for twenty twenty, no problem. It's going to be the funniest movie I see this year. I don't think anything's going to be able to uproot it. Just because, again, the pickings are so slim. And you guys can take that to the bank. Bill Scurry is telling you the bad trip is worth it. It really What's, is. Wait, wait, wait. If the pickings are so slim, what are the Oscars going to be like next year? It's going to be Trolls World Tour and Sonic Trolls the Hedgehog. Yeah. Your nominees for Best Picture are Trolls World Tour, Bad Trip, Sonic the Hedgehog, and, Scoob. And the, the Dune remake that's coming in November. Dude, oh, you know what I'm excited for? Wonder Woman 1984. That looks good. Yeah. The momentum of this thing, I think, for me, sells Eric Andre in... He, now, he's he's top-lined a movie for me. And, and I think it's a perfect movie designed for his skill set. Like you said, it's more planned. It's more... Uh, divined and he the, the movie was directed by the guy who makes his tv show this guy named kitao uh, sakurai i think that's his name so it's a friend i mean this is a guy who has been working with eric andre and i think it understands how to synthesize the the best out of him and i think that that's why the planning and, and the polishing and the bigger idea it's not just a 25 minute thing based on you know cut up edited together footage of, of, you know, half angry celebrities storming off his set and weird, you know, Dada-ist uh, non sequiturs. This is him coming up with a traditional story with a three-act a three structure and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sold when his talk show comes back. I will watch the kind of movies he makes. I really enjoy his persona. Yeah, the Tom Green thing, it really made me think about Tom Green all over again, about how they really tried to make it seem like Tom Green was somebody we wanted to, to be around 
around and see more of. And it's like nobody asked for him. It was it was awful. It was, was but it was MTV doing that thing where they call the shot. MTV like Babe Ruth points the bat at the at the left field wall, (laughs) and they said, "No, like we're gonna go do this." And it's like they kept giving us Tom Green, like they gave us Jesse Camp over and over again. It's like we we don't want these things. This isn't what we're Jesse Camp. I'm gonna put my dick connected to your dick, baby. If you're just make it so hands, sorry, sorry. Just get up, get up, get up, get up. Oh my God! Pull it up, get up. We gonna do this together. We gonna do this, okay? Gonna go for it. Look, there's a golfer over there. We can ask him to get us out of this. He's not gonna fucking help us. Help! Help us, please. So, Bill, why? Why is Eric Andre, he's ascended, right? The show was just, well, not just, but the show's going to do another season. And now he's a Hollywood star. And, you know, judging by our opinion of this movie, I think it's got a good shot of, of springboarding him into more. So why? Why do people like what Eric Andre is selling. Hey man, he dated Rosario Dawson. That's got to count for something, right? It's the classic I don't get it grist because in a way he's not popular. However, he's very popular if you get it. You know what I'm saying? There's something about the niche he exists in the cult. Yeah, I, I think what you're right. He's been into it f- for a little while now. He has made, he's polished his thing. He's gotten better at what he does. Being siloed uh, I think is is an easier place for him to be, which is why you get an Eric Andre in the 20-teens, the 2020s, than you do, say, in the 80s or the 90s. You know, the, we didn't have silos where you can fit guys like this in. But it does remind me a little bit because, you know, you're, you're going to, you're probably not going to follow this or this is going to track for you. But the, he reminds me a lot of Letterman. In, oh, yes, no, I, I I actually had that thought as well. Only yes. only in the broadest strokes. Yep. In that, first of all, yep. he's got the talk show form, but there's there's a type of funny. You know, there's a sort of style, and and granted, Letterman's style and and Eric Andre's style are not the same, but it's almost the way in which they go about their business. It's it's uncompromising, where they yes. they have a faith in what they do. And in the way that they deliver it, and they're confident that they're the ones getting it right, and that they—if you'll come to them if you think they're funny—it's kind of like a cool kid complex a little bit. Now, I mean, Letterman definitely had a—it wasn't so much an icy remove, but it was that sarcastic giggle where he almost like looked at a askance at everything, and it was funny. I mean, when we were kids, you know, you you bought into Letterman. I mean, I, I don't know—I don't know yeah. anybody who didn't because of that sort of. There was something cooler about him. He was the class clown in the back, and Eric. Andre, I don't think he's got more anxiety than that. I don't think there's any that that Letterman remove where he's laughing at people or or the distance. I don't think Eric Andre has any distance at all from what he said. It's like he takes things very personally. He suffers from a lot of anxiety. He's a kid. I mean, he's not a kid. He's I think he's almost I think he's 38 or 39, but I think there is still something very childlike about what he does. It almost seems like He's a 25-year-old striving stand-up comic, you know, without a lot to show yeah. for it. And, and you yeah. know, in, in reality, he's been at it for a while. He's got a, a Rolodex of powerful friends, and he's almost 40. But he doesn't come across that way. He conveys a sort of confidence and an assuredness in what he does that reminds me of Letterman. And again, I don't see too many people that do that. You know, the, the whole role of a Letterman, again, not doing the same thing Letterman did, but the that aplomb, that confidence, that uh, ability to create something that he believes in. There aren't too many people, I think, that do that, even though there's a lot of material out there. There's a lot of 
asymmetrical, jagged, irregular comedians that we didn't used to have, I don't see guys that fill that that niche. And again, it reminded me of it just a little bit. And so I, I have to imagine that's a little bit of why it's popular. Yeah, I mean, the, I did think of the Letterman thing too. I loved Letterman when I was a kid. And part of what I would always say to myself is that I can't believe this is on TV, right? Yeah. Letterman was such a different world in that there were so many fewer options, right? Like, it's really amazing. He was on NBC, like major network. But, you know, a random bullshit like Eric Andre would be public access, right? And Letterman somehow slipped under the wire. So there was the sense of like, wow, I'm discovering this weird thing that somehow slipped through the door. Yeah, do they of, do they know this is happening on their network? Right, of big time culture, right. I, could, I remember my grandmother told me she liked David Letterman. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and I kind of wonder if I were approaching Letterman now, if I just go, this is just surrealism for surrealism's sake. He's not thinking it through. I loved the randomness. I loved let's look for Swedes. I loved <laughs> he would wear, right? He would wear the suit of Velcro and jump and stick to the wall. Yeah. Or he would wear the suit of Rice Krispies and they'd sit in a bowl and they pour milk in. I mean, that, God, I don't think society says enough how influential Letterman was. Yeah. I mean, I think Letterman appealed to the smart weird nerds and that's why it makes sense that my nephews like eric andre and like tim and eric because they're very smart they're readers they're intellectuals they're good students but you know they're still kids so they like they like silly stuff it it seems like college humor too i mean that's what letterman seemed like to me when we were younger you know it's dumb and this is what i'm saying it's dumb comedy for smart people you think um you think justin bieber sprays his dna all over the ladies when he's in Paris, France. <sighs> Need a new desk. Noah, would you have liked uh, Eric Andre when you were a younger person? Yeah, absolutely. Partly because uh, I think all the reasons I just said. I mean, I liked, you know, I think it's entirely possible or I think it's entirely valid to say that he is the David Letterman of now. And that entails a bunch of different things, right? Um, so, yeah. I mean, if I like Letterman then, if I were a kid now, I'd like Eric Andre now. I'd love the absurdity. I'd love the weirdness. I'd love him, you know, <laughs> and Little Rail get their dicks trapped in a Chinese, Chinese finger, finger prison. <laughs> and they start walking around asking people to help them. I, I can't believe people fall for that. Yeah. Because I think it's uh, they start pulling apart. It's so obvious they're wearing prosthetic penises. But I get where they shoot it. You know, they're shooting in a very media unsavvy place. So you don't, this, you don't exp- they shot the whole thing in Georgia and outside of but, Atlanta. But you're, you're, you know, you're you're playing golf, and all of a sudden these two guys come up to you, <laughs> and they're attached by a. Ch- they shuffle up to you, and the guy. I mean, it's so stupid, but it's funny. It's hilarious. It's so well done. So, yeah, they so, sell it. Yeah, they sell they, it, you know. They, this is perfect for smart kids because it's totally perfect for smart kids. So, you know, I was a smart kid. I was in, going to go intellectual, not as smart as I thought I was, but I was better read then than I am now. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And that's what I come back to Tom Green on this one because when we were younger, I mean, we, we had Letterman, and then I think there was a gap when Letterman, you talk about it in 92, uh, in 93, where Letterman, you know, became the CBS guy. And it's like, the, you know, that 
David Letterman's show did not quite survive the transition. It became a different animal, and that's fine, you know. But he was certainly a different type of host after he got fucked over by NBC and lost a little bit of his verve for the show. Something like The Onion came about when we were uh, in college, and and the alt-weekly thing, that's what, I mean, to me, I think of what college humor became, uh, the mainstream college humor sort of became The Onion. And uh, Tom Green showed up on the scene, and that Tom Green was supposed to be the weird Dadaist thing that was co-opted by um, Viacom. You know, that was MTV was right. giving us this cool thing that oh, now we're gonna we're gonna be the patron saints of Tom Green. But it's like I fucking hated Tom Green. Tom Green was unlikable, not funny. But I wanted a Tom Green thing. I wanted that to be part of my diet, and it's like it just didn't work with Tom Green. And he was the only one of the, the, the only only one of them. That there was was the the Tom Green version we got of Tom Green, so yeah, I would have been looking for this for sure. Um, this rectifies the problems of funniness. This rectifies the problems of um, likability. If that if that means a thing, if you want to go with somebody, and I I I can't emphasize enough that thing you keep talking about the power imbalance. I think that yeah. everything it's Eric, important. It's important. everything Eric Andre does is he runs out and he's in pain or he's suffering. He's not. He's oh, he's pleading. He's pleading with you. He's pleading with the people around him. He makes a mistake. He falls. It's panic. He does that so well, as opposed to you know Borat going into that antique shop and just breaking things. You're pushing it out. You're 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 you're, imp- you're infringing upon people around you rather than absorbing right. it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, and I mean I think that as someone younger even more so it's it's fun to watch him howl in pain it's fun to watch him yeah, to, to yeah. beg and plead and and that's exactly the kind of thing i think as a kid you want yeah, he's he's funny about that and he's like i say the, the the bystanders are shocked but they're never the butt of the joke yeah they're never mocked for any of their qualities and getting back to something i said about one of the things i like about the show almost all of his targets are people of color targets, but the, the bystanders are people of yeah. color. But they mix it up. I mean, the thing with the army guy was great. And I appreciate that when they show the behind the scenes stuff, you see when they tell the army guy and they have a laugh with him. Yeah. I mean, he's very, you know, equal opportunity to everyone. Like, everyone seems happy. I don't know if this is, like, racist to say, but, like, the idea of a jackass thing going out into a, a white audience filled the people that you would expect this kind of thing to happen to, people tend to default to what you think. They they get angry, they get belligerent. You know, this, this like you said, they go into rib shops, they go into barber shops, they go to black businesses. They're in Georgia, you know, yeah, yeah. and and people behave differently. Again, editing means everything, so we don't know what it's supposed to be and what it right. really was. You don't see all the people who flipped out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. right. But it's they like, probably they must have filmed every scene. Multiple times. Yeah. I'm they no- got great reaction. These are black guys bumping around, being in this position, and mostly black people responding to them. And it's like, it just seems that there's something different going on here. Then, yeah. the, again, the, not, not, not just the dynamic, but it's like, it's a different type of comedy. The people reacting. The one guy was trying but to it like... Is, but it is and it isn't. I know, it I know. It shows black people react the same way white people do, for the most part. There is a very pleasant sense of randomness to this. When he's in the, the mall and he sings the song. First of all, it's not a musical, but there's one musical number. Yeah. And the song is so bad. And and you see in the credits, he wrote the song. He's a bad singer. Yeah. The song is terrible. But he commits so to he it. does it he he's singing and dancing a really bad song. <laughs> so part of the joke is not people like, hey, a musical number broke out in the middle of this food court in this mall. It's that a bad musical number broke out. Yeah, it's embarrassing. A stupid 
poorly written song and poorly performed. I met a girl. I like this girl. Whatever. He keeps knocking over so the mannequins, the, the the wife, the, yeah. the bride and groom mannequins. That, but it's by the way, yeah. that it's a bad song. I love it. Yo, let me ask you people something. You ever bone your grandma to death? Talk about going out with a bang, people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Hey, Hannibal. This ain't your mama's monologue. Bill, is the success of Eric Andre uh, in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's a sign of market health, whatever that means. It's a it's an anodyne term for describing because um, every now and then we do come a, we come upon something that I really enjoy. That's a niche thing, whether it's like Jesus and Marrow, which I, I really came away from. I thought, oh, it's nice that these guys can jump from from radio uh, to TV. You know, every now and then, it's, you know, it's like a, there's a niche. There's something that's so niche, something that came from a very mixtapey type background. And it manages to translate itself onto either a television show or streaming or a podcast or a movie screen, more or less intact. And it's funny to watch. You know, Eric Andre managed to, to do that. He stuck to his guns, did not modulate what he thinks he does well, and somehow managed to figure out a way to sell it to more and more people. I can't see how someone would think this is a sign of the apocalypse unless they're going to harp on some of the, the bigger complaints that you can make. I, and I don't, your observations about first pass comedy, you know, the idea that it's not. For, thank you. That's a term I should use for our first pass comedy. Yeah, the idea. Like that. It's the thing about the sm- you know smosh and all that shit, where it's just like, here, oh, throw the idea, out, move on to the next idea. Yeah, but but the difference is that Tim and Eric, I can believe, are naturally funny guys. Yeah, and you right? just, I just don't the get smosh the guys aren't even that. Yeah, no. yeah, no, that's true. I don't know. Sign of the apocalypse. I mean, it's definitely the sign that I'm getting old because you know surrealism. One of my favorite things when I was a kid. I don't get it anymore. But isn't that what this whole podcast is about? So Yes, sir, uh, it is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good thing. You know, you see all sorts of different people in the movie. You see, like that guy who, who gets in between them in the fight. You see people reacting in what's mostly a very friendly and healthy manner, right? Like, even the golfer who they encounter with the Chinese <laughs> finger prison, like, he seems like an asshole. And at a certain point, he's like, look, I, you got to leave me now. Get out of here. But for the first couple minutes, he tries to help them. He does try to help them at first. Oh, my God. So I hope, he every, like I hope you go see this movie, guys. I really, right. really need you to know what we're talking about. Yeah. He seems like an asshole, but he could be worse. Yes. He could be a lot. I mean, maybe they did that. Maybe they went up to the first half dozen golfers and those people like, get the fuck away from me, you weird. How can anyone believe that's real? Like, I just don't understand how you don't see that and assume someone's filming. I, I, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I thought I could come out here and we would just like riff and start rapping and then like everybody would just be blown away by our raps. And then well, like every, you're, you're, you're older, blew me away. Everybody, hi, Titty Boy. It's fuck? me, Kraft oh, Humble. Oh, okay, what's happening? I'm here to network. Come on, this side. Get out of here, man. Go away. Move, please. There's a camera right there. Kraft, you idiot. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Bill, are you jealous at all of uh, Eric Andre? Actually, I am. And this this sort of stirs something in because, again, I, I started thinking about Letterman. And when I was a kid, I don't know if I was going to become a comedian, but I knew that I wanted to be a funny person growing up. You know, didn't necessarily know how to emulate Letterman, but I knew that that's the guy that I thought 
Well, that's what it, that's what a funny adult looks like. I mean, granted, there are many funny adults. You know, there's there's airplane, there's naked gun, there's Cheers, there's a lot of different types of funny on Earth. But the, the particular Letterman funny looked like the one that was the the most advanced for sure. So if I grew up thinking I want to be funny, whether it was as an avocation or just as a personality, that's the kind of thing I wanted to, to emulate. And so you know, like seeing Eric Andre, he he's again getting the kind of traction he's gotten. He, I think he stuck with it. You know, like. I'm sure his parents said to him, hey, you're not funny. And his friends said to him back in Florida when he started doing comedy, you know, you're not funny. This is not going to work. And something about it said, well, maybe if I just, I believe in this and somehow I know how to make this work, I'm going to workshop it and somehow create my own version or at least this small little adjunct version of what I think is funny. And I'm jealous because I would love if people thought of my work, whatever it is, the way I think of, of Eric Andre. Just, you know, I'm just saying, knowing full well that there's one person out there who thinks of me that way the way I think of him that would be envious like you get the jokes and you understand what I was trying to do and you appreciate it that's the kind of fan that I would want uh you know in the list of topics that we've done on the show before and how jealous I am uh I think I said at some point that Jimmy Fallon was number one uh Eric Andre might be number one now I am insanely jealous of this guy on multiple levels. First of all, and this is something I was jealous of Borat about, is that the nerve that these guys have to get in people's faces and do this stuff uh, fills me with terror beyond explanation. I would never, ever be able to do that. Part of the reason I failed as a stand-up was I couldn't do crowd work at all. It was just scary to have them aggravating people, pissing them off, provoking them, (laughs) right? I would be absolutely terrified so there's that then as you know bill and maybe some of our listeners know i put a fair amount of effort into a career as an absurdist comedian a character yeah you know i was inspired by andy kaufman and part of what inspired me was that he had this random surreal thing and he didn't know how to play the game and he was just plucked from the ether because the right person saw him and i didn't know how to play the game part of the reason i failed as a comic and i hoped i'd get plucked Now, Eric Andre put more effort into playing the game. He made that pilot. He shopped it around. So he probably had more of those skills than I ever did. I can't help but watch him and go, well, I was just as funny as him, but no one cared about me. I wasn't as funny as him, but I think with the right, you know, mentoring, I could have attracted a large audience. I think I could have. I I agree. Maybe that sounds ridiculous. No, I can totally agree. I, I think I had the, the source material for that. I think I had the ingredients for that. I'm not saying I was there. Also, then I read that article you sent me, that interview with Eric Andre from Vice, and he talks about how he's racked with anxiety. I'm racked with anxiety. <laughs> Yet somehow he becomes famous and dates Rosario Dawson and all that. So I'm very jealous of him. I wanted to be the absurdist comic. I wanted to be the the random funny dude who could just take the flotsam and jetsam of cultural life and the craziness in my brain and just roll around like a moron and have fun with it and not do the first pass comedy. I was I was second pass in those days. So Noah, finally, the Felonian scale is our final um, segment here in terms of where does this fall on the spectrum of all of our topics? Uh, what do you think? Pretty high up, but I still think that it's not polished as much as you know i thought about this while watching bad trip i'd say it's two-thirds of a key and peel how about that okay i can understand the metric Uh, i you know i think that uh, it's funny key and peel came up too just because it's uh, in the comedy space the people that i really liked i actually put this ahead of key and peel 
because really? yeah for me wow. er, key, i don't agree key and peel all the key and peels i watched there was a percentage now i thought there's an excellence to what they do but the percentage of the things that hit me that got me in a very organic way was something like 60 40 the 60 percent was great and i saw they were really good ideas but the 40 percent was like you know like i just i'm just not there with it you know uh, key and peel are way more ambitious than this guy they are way more because yeah. this this is good dumb key and peel are smart yeah key and peel is smart comedy key and peel is saying something making a statement while still being funny there was no statement with eric andre and that's fine. He's not claiming to me. I have multiple times I have been out of breath with just absolute apoplexy. Of, uh, I mean, I, I put I put more value on comedy that says something. No, I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just for me, there's a singular experience of laughing until I'm in hyperventilation between seeing Eric Andre on his TV show and then watching this movie. The sheer split of things that I don't give a shit about that he did to the stuff that he I do give a shit about that he did for Eric Andre is like 90-10. Granted, he's got less output. There's less of him in the world than there is Key and Peel, But I feel like it's landing with me at a higher percentage wow. there's something there's something i, I want to say organic there's just something involuntary about it there's something uncontrollable it's like you know a funny bone reaction you know and that's it's i can't plan what i'm going to laugh at and sometimes i think yeah I'll, I'll read a new yorker piece by jack handy and i think that's great that's hilarious and every now and then i'll see a movie like this and like oh i just didn't realize i'd be on the fucking ground with my side in stitches uh, because this thing was so funny. And yet that's exactly what happened with Eric Andre. And I did not see it coming. All right. Take us home, my friends. So if you'd like to find past episodes of our fine program, uh, look to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. I am on Twitter at William Scurry. Uh, I'm always there. Uh, and I'm actually plugging. I had a podcast uh, come out just recently. I talked about uh, the 1986 movie Manhunter by Michael Mann, the first yeah. uh, Hannibal Lecter film uh, because we're such big fans. Good one. It's, good it one. is a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah, this is Film 89, my the, the shingle that my friends the Welshman established, but it's actually three of us talking about it. Me, my friend Matthias, who's in the Netherlands, and my friend John Arminio. Uh, who's over in um, suburban uh, Pennsylvania, over the Jersey border. Um, yeah, we had a good time doing that. Also, my video content is on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And now Noah will speak for a little while. I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. Uh, yeah, we have hit warp speed with our virtual trivia events, doing them for everyone. We're doing a lot of fundraisers. We're having a lot of fun with those. And many of our events are open to the public. So if you're not interested in hiring us for a private or corporate event, uh, follow us on Facebook where you can hear about what we got going on. By the time you hear this, we will have done an LGBT-themed event for immigration equality. Uh, we just did an event for the San Francisco Historical Society all about San Francisco. We have another one of those probably in June. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Friday, May 22nd, we are teaming up with the Actors Fund in New York for a Broadway-themed quiz. We're probably going to do another one of those uh, to benefit an organization out here in the Bay Area in uh, June. And bits and pieces here and there. We're doing a politics one on uh, probably the day you hear this, Monday the 18th. Uh, so go to bigquisting.com, learn about our corporate or private events. Public events are still just on Facebook because we weren't really doing public events till virtual came along. You know, they weren't worth it. But now, uh, you know, we always said it's hard to get people get their asses off of couches to come to our public events. They don't but even now, have to do that now. 
their asses can stay on their couch and they can play our game. So we're having more fun with these. Anyway, we're really having fun with virtual trivia. Uh, the format's a ton of fun, and you can play from wherever you are. Shine a little light into these dark, dark days. Bigquisting.com. So um, until you see me and Noah with our manhoods trapped in a Chinese finger trap pleading with you for help to get us out of the goddamn thing. And that will be never. <laughs> we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.